Chapter Thirty Four of Dread, A Tale of the Great Dismal Swamp by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Dread, Chapter Thirty Four The Cloud Bursts. The shadow of that awful cloud which had desolated other places now began to darken the boundaries of the plantation of Canama. No disease has ever more fully filled out the meaning of those awful words of Scripture, the pestilence that walketh in darkness. None has been more irregular and apparently more perfectly capricious in its movements. During the successive seasons that it had been epidemic in the country, it has seemed to have set at defiance the skill of the physicians. The system of medical tactics which has been wrought out by the painful experiences of one season seems to be laughed to scorn by the varying type of the disease in the next. Certain sanitary laws and conditions would seem to be indispensable, yet those who are familiar with it have had fearful experience, how like a wolf it will sometimes leap the boundaries of the best and most carefully guarded fold, and, spite of every caution and protection, sweep all before it. Its course through the towns and villages has been equally singular. Sometimes descending like a cloud on a neighborhood, it will leave a single village or town untouched amidst the surrounding desolations, and long after, when health is restored to the whole neighborhood, come down suddenly on the omitted towns as a ravaging army sends back a party for prey to some place which has been overlooked or forgotten. Sometimes entering a house, in twenty-four hours it will take all who are in it. Sometimes it will ravage all the city, except some one street or locality, and then come upon that while all else is spared. Its course upon southern plantations was marked with similar capriciousness, and was made still more fatal by that peculiar nature of plantation life which withdraws the inmates so far from medical aid. When the first letters were received describing the progress of it in northern cities, Aunt Nesbitt felt much uneasiness and alarm. It is remarkable with what tenacity people often will cling to life whose enjoyments in it are so dull and low that a bystander would scarcely think them worth the struggle of preservation. When at length the dreaded news began to be heard from one point and another in their vicinity, Aunt Nesbitt said one day to Nina, your cousins, the Gordons, in E, have written to us to leave the plantation and come and spend some time with them till the danger is over. Why, said Nina, do they think the cholera can't come there? Well, said Aunt Nesbitt, they have their family under most excellent regulations, and living in a town so, they are within call of a doctor if anything happens. Aunt, perhaps you'd better go, but I will stay with my people." "'Why, don't you feel afraid, Nina?' "'No, Aunt, I don't. "'Besides, I think it would be very selfish for me "'to live on the services of my people all my life "'and then run away and leave them alone "'when a time of danger comes. "'The least I can do is stay and take care of them.' "'This conversation was overheard by Harry, "'who was standing with his back to them on the veranda "'near the parlor door where they were sitting. "'Child,' said Aunt Nesbitt, "'what do you suppose you can do?' You haven't any experience. 
harry and milly can do a great deal better than you can i'll leave milly here it's our first duty to take care of our health no aunt i think there are some duties before that it's true i haven't a great deal of strength but i have courage and i know my going away would discourage our people and fill them with fear and that they say predisposes to the disease i shall get the carriage up and go directly over to see the doctor and get directions and medicines i shall talk to our people and teach them what to do and see that it is done and when they see that i am calm and not afraid they will have courage but aunt if you are afraid i think you had better go you are feeble you can't make much exertion and if you feel any safer or more comfortable i think it would be best i should like to have milly stay and she harry and i will be the board of health to the plantation harry she said if you'll get up the carriage we'll go immediately again harry felt the bitterness of his soul sweetened and tranquilized by the noble nature of her to whose hands the law had given the chain which bound him galling and intolerable as it would have been otherwise he felt when with her that her service was perfect freedom he had not said anything to nina about the contents of the letter which he had received from his sister he saw that it was an evil which she had no power over and he shrank from annoying her with it nina supposed that his clouded and troubled aspect was caused wholly by the solicitude of responsibility in the same carriage which conveyed her to the town sat aunt nesbit also and her cap boxes whose importance even the fear of the cholera could not lessen in her eyes nina found the physician quite au fait on the subject he had been reading about miasma and animalculae and he entertained nina nearly half an hour with different theories as to the cause of the disease and with the experiments which had been made in foreign hospitals among the various theories there was one which appeared to be his particular pet and nina couldn't help thinking as he stepped about so alertly that he almost enjoyed the prospect of putting his discoveries to the test by dint however of very practical and positive questions nina drew from him all the valuable information which he had to give her and he wrote her a very full system of directions and put up a case of medicines for her assuring her that he should be happy to attend in person if he had time on the way home nina stopped at uncle john gordon's plantation and there had the first experience of the difference between written directions for a supposed care and the actual awful realities of the disease her uncle john had been seized only half an hour before in the most awful manner the household was all in terror and confusion and the shrieks and groans of agony which proceeded from his room were appalling his wife busy with the sufferer did not perceive that the messengers who had been sent in haste for the doctor were wringing their hands in fruitless terror running up and down the veranda and doing nothing harry said nina take out one of the carriage horses and ride quick for your life and bring the doctor over here in a minute in a few moments the thing was done and harry was out of sight she then walked up to the distracted servants and commanded them in a tone of authority to cease their lamentations her resolute manner and the quiet tone of voice which she preserved acted as a sedative on their excited nerves she banished all but two or three of the most reasonable from the house and then went to the assistance of her aunt before long the doctor arrived 
when he had been in the sick-room a few moments he came out to make some inquiries of nina and she could not help contrasting the appalled and confounded expression of his countenance with the dapper consequential air with which only two hours before he had been holding forth to her on animalculae and miasma the disease he said presented itself in an entirely different aspect from what he had expected the remedies he said did not work as he anticipated the case was a peculiar one alas before three months were over poor doctor you found many peculiar cases do you think you can save his life child only god can save him said the physician nothing works right but why prolong the torture of that scene or rehearse the struggles groans and convulsions nina poor flowery child of seventeen summers stood with the rest in mute despair all was tried that could be done or thought of but the disease like some blind deaf destroyer marched on turning neither to right nor left till the cries and groans grew fainter the convulsed muscles relaxed and the strong florid man lay in the last stages of that fearful collapse which in one hour shrivels the most healthy countenance and the firmest muscles to the shrunken and withered image of decrepit old age when the breath had passed and all was over nina could scarcely believe that that altered face and form so withered and so worn could have been her healthy and joyous uncle and who never had appeared healthier and more joyous than on that morning but as a person passing under the foam and spray of niagara clings with blind confidence to a guide whom he feels but cannot see nina in this awful hour felt she was not alone the redeemer all-powerful over death and the grave of whom she had been thinking so much of late seemed to her sensibly near and it seemed to her as if a voice said to her continually fear not for i am with thee be not dismayed for i am thy god how come you are my child said aunt maria to her i wouldn't have thought it was in you i don't know what we should do without you but now a frightful wail was heard oh we're all dying we're all going oh missus come quick peter has got it oh daddy has got it oh my child my child and the doctor exhausted as he was by the surprise and excitement of this case began flying from one to another of the cabins in the greatest haste two or three of the house servants also seemed to be struck in the same moment and only the calmness and courage which nina and her aunt maintained prevented a general abandonment to panic nina possessed that fine elastic temperament which with the appearance of extreme delicacy possesses great powers of endurance the perfect calmness which she felt enabled her to bring all her faculties to bear on the emergency my good auntie you mustn't be afraid bring out your religion trust in god she said to the cook who was wringing her hands in terror remember your religion sing some of your hymns and do your duty to the sick there is a magic power in the cheerful tone of courage and nina succeeded in rallying the well ones to take care of the sick but now came a messenger in hot haste to say that the cholera had broken out on the plantation at home well harry said nina with a face pale yet unmoved our duty calls us away and accompanied by the weary physician they prepared to go back to canama before they had proceeded far a man met them on horseback is dr butler with you 
Yes, said Nina, putting her head out of the carriage. Oh, doctor, I've been riding all over the country after you. You must come back to town this minute. Judge Peters is dying. I'm afraid he is dead before this time, and there's a dozen more cases right in that street. Here, get on my horse and ride for your life. The doctor hastily sprang from the carriage and mounted the horse. Then, stopping a moment, he cast a look of good-natured pity on the sweet pale face that was leaning out of the carriage window. "'My poor child,' he said, "'I can't bear to leave you. Who will help you?' "'God,' said Nina, "'I'm not afraid.' "'Come, come,' said the man, "'do hurry,' and with one hasty glance more he was gone. "'Now, Harry,' said Nina, "'everything depends on our keeping up our courage and our strength. We shall have no physician. We must just do the best we can.' After all, it is our Lord Jesus that has the keys of death, and he loved us and died for us. He will certainly be with us. Oh, Miss Nina, you are an angel, said Harry, who felt at that moment as if he could have worshipped her. Arrived at home, Nina found a scene of terror and confusion similar to that which she had already witnessed. Old Hundred lay dead in his cabin, and the lamenting crowd gathering round were yielding to the full tide of fear and excitement which predisposed them to the same fate. Nina rode up immediately to the group. She spoke to them calmly. She silenced their outcries and bade them obey her. "'If you wish all of you to die,' she said, "'this is the way towards it. "'But if you'll keep quiet and calm "'and do what ought to be done, "'your lives may be saved. "'Harry and I have got medicines. "'We understand what to do. "'You must follow our directions exactly.' Nina immediately went to the house and instructed Millie and Rose and two or three of the elderly women in the duties to be done. Millie rose up in this hour of terror with all the fortitude inspired by her strong nature. Bless the Lord, she said, for his grace to you, child. The Lord is a shield. He's been with us in six troubles, and he'll be with us in seven. We can sing in the swellings of Jordan. Harry, meanwhile, was associating to himself a band of the most reliable men on the place, and endeavouring in the same manner to organise them for action. A messenger was dispatched immediately to the neighbouring town for unlimited quantities of the most necessary medicines and stimulants. The plantation was districted off and placed under the care of leaders who held communication with Harry. In the course of two or three hours, the appalling scene of distress and confusion was reduced to the resolute and orderly condition of a well-managed hospital. Millie walked the rounds in every direction, appealing to the religious sensibilities of the people and singing hymns of trust and confidence. She possessed a peculiar voice suited to her large development of physical frame, almost as deep as a man's bass, with rich softness of a feminine tone, and Nina could now and then distinguish, as she was moving about the house or grounds, that triumphant tone, singing, God is my sun, and he my shade, to guard my head by night or noon. Hast thou not given thy word to save my soul from death? And I can trust my Lord to keep my mortal breath. I'll go and come, nor fear to die, till from on high thou call me home. The house that night presented the aspect of a beleaguered garrison. Nina and Millie had thrown open all the chambers, and such as were peculiarly exposed to the disease, by delicacy of organization or tremulousness of nervous system, were allowed to take shelter there. 
now child said milly when all the arrangements had been made you just lie down and go to sleep in your own room i see how tis with you the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak child there isn't much of you but there won't nothing go without you so you take care of yourself first never you be afraid the people's quiet now and the sick ones is been took care of and the folks is all doing the best they can so now you try and get some sleep cause if you goes we shall all go accordingly nina retired to her room but before she lay down she wrote to clayton we are all in affliction here my dear friend poor uncle john died this morning of the cholera i had been to e to see a doctor and provide medicines when i came back i thought i would call a few moments at the house and found a perfect scene of horror poor uncle died and there are a great many sick on the place now and while i was thinking that i would stay and help aunt a messenger came in all haste saying that the disease had broken out on our place at home we were bringing the doctor with us in our carriage when we met a man riding full speed from e who told us that judge peters was dying and a great many others were sick on the same street when we came home we found the poor old coachman dead and the people in the greatest consternation it took us some time to tranquilize them and to produce order but that is now done our house is full of the sick and the fearful ones milly and harry are firm and active and inspire the rest with courage about twenty are taken with the disease but not as yet in a violent way in this awful hour i feel a strange peace which the bible truly says passeth all understanding i see now that though the world and all that is in it should perish christ can give us a beautiful immortal life i write to you because perhaps this may be the only opportunity if i die do not mourn for me but thank god who giveth us the victory through our lord jesus christ but then i trust i shall not die i hope to live in this world which is more than ever beautiful to me life has never been so valuable and dear since i have known you yet i have such trust in the love of my redeemer that if he were to ask me to lay down i could do it almost without a sigh i would follow the lamb whither so he goeth perhaps the same dreadful evil is around you perhaps at magnolia grove i will not be selfish in calling you here if anne needs you more perhaps she has not such reliable help as harry and milly are to me so do not fear and do not leave any duty for me our father loves us and will do nothing amiss milly walks about the entries singing i love to hear her sing she sings in such a grand triumphant tone hark i hear her now i'll go and come nor fear to die till from on high thou call me home i shall write you every mail now till we are better living or dying ever your own nina after writing this nina lay down and slept slept all night as quietly as if death and disease were not hanging over her head in the morning she rose and dressed herself and milly with anxious care brought to her room some warm coffee and crackers which she insisted on her taking before she left her apartment how are they all milly said nina well child the midnight cry has been heard among us and rose is gone and big sam and jack and sally they's all gone but the people is all more quiet love and they's determined to stand it out how is harry said nina in a tremulous voice he isn't sick 
he has been up all night working over the sick but he keeps up good heart the older ones is going to have a little prayer meeting after breakfast as a sort of funeral to them that's dead and perhaps miss nana you'd read us a chapter certainly i will it was yet an early hour when a large circle of family and plantation hands gathered together in the pleasant open salon which we have so often described the day was a beautiful one the leaves and shrubbery round the veranda moist and tremulous with the glittering freshness of morning dew there was a murmur of tenderness and admiration as nina in a white morning wrapper and a cheek as white came into the room sit down all my friends she said sit down looking at some of the plantation men who seemed to be diffident about taking the sofa which was behind them it's no time for ceremony now we are standing on the brink of the grave where all are equal i'm glad to see you so calm and so brave i hope your trust is in the saviour who gives us the victory over death sing she said milly began the well-known prayer and must this feeble body fail and must it faint and die my soul shall quit this gloomy vale and soar to realms on high shall join the disembodied saints and find its long-sought rest that only rest for which it pants on the redeemer's breast every voice joined and the words rose triumphant from the very gates of the grave when the singing was over nina in a tremulous voice which grew clearer as she went on read the undaunted word of the ancient song he that dwelleth in the spirit of the place most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty i will say of the lord he is my refuge and my fortress my god in him will i trust surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence he shall cover thee with his feathers under his wings shalt thou trust thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night nor for the arrow that flieth by day nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday a thousand shall fall by thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand but it shall not come nigh thee he shall give thee his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways it is possible said nana that we may some of us be called away but to those that love christ there is no fear in death it is only going home to our father keep up courage then in all cases like this the first shock brings with it more terror than any which succeeds the mind can become familiar with anything even with the prospect of danger and death so that it can appear to be an ordinary condition of existence everything proceeded calmly on the plantation and all stimulated by the example of their young mistress seemed determined to meet the exigency firmly and faithfully in the afternoon of the second day as nina was sitting in the door she observed the wagon of uncle tiff making its way up the avenue and with her usual impulsiveness ran down to meet her humble friend oh tiff how do you do in these dreadful times oh miss nina said the faithful creature removing his hat with habitual politeness if you please i's brought de baby here cause it's dreadful sick and i's been doing all i could for him and he don't get no better and i's brought miss fanny and teddy cause i's afraid to leave em cause i see a man yesterday and 
and he tell me they was dying everywhere on all the places round well said nina you have come to a sorrowful place for they are dying here too but if you feel any safer here you and the children may stay and we'll do for you just as we do for each other give me the baby while you get out it's asleep isn't it yes miss nina it's sleep pretty much all the time now nina carried it up the steps and put it into milly's arm it's sleeping nicely she said oh honey said milly it'll never wake up out of that there that dar sleep ain't the good kind well said nina we'll help him take care of it we'll make room for him and the children milly because we have medicines and directions and they have nothing out there so tiff and his family took shelter in the general fortress towards evening the baby died tiff held it in his arms to the very last and it was with difficulty that nina and milly could persuade him that the little flickering breath was gone for ever when forced to admit it he seemed for a few moments perfectly inconsolable nina quietly opened her testament and read to him and they brought little children unto him that he should touch them and his disciples rebuked those that brought them but jesus said suffer little children to come unto me and forbid them not for of such is the kingdom of heaven breasted lord said tiff i'll give him up i will i won't hold out no longer i won't forbid him to go if it does break my old heart laws we's dreadful selfish but the poor little thing he was getting so pretty end of chapter thirty four the cloud burst